and get going. It's 8.50, and we get to study a huge topic again, which is wonderful. All of them are huge. I, I, when you say it for everyone, it, does, it kind of loses its, its shock and awe, doesn't it? Um, okay, let's, uh, let's pray. We're going to start a little slow, give people a chance to, to come in, but we've got a lot to say. Um, about creation this morning in our, our jump into Genesis. So let's, uh, let's open with prayer first. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we, we are so grateful for your work in creation, the fact that we exist, because you desired it, you willed it, planned it, and made it happen. God, we, uh, uh, there just isn't enough praise and honor and glory to give you um, for this act, and we, we give you it all. We, we pray for this time this morning that we would understand your word correctly. Thank you for giving it to us, for explaining these things to us um, so that we can, we can know who we are and, and what we're doing here. We know who you are, our relationship with you. God, help us to, to understand these things well and to apply them, live them out. God, I... I um, I confess my, my heart has been so encouraged by this study and has changed me. God, I pray that you would change us all um, as we study this together. I praise things in your name. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> as you guys know, we're starting our, um, our series here on Genesis, which is extremely uh, impactful, um, hard book to read um, for many reasons, I think, and uh, I think I got the hardest section of the book as well this morning, <laughs> so thanks Paul, who is not here, by the way. Um, he may have the harder conversation about the hardest section next week, but uh, at the same time, it, uh, as hard as it is, it is extremely foundational, so we're, I think we're going to enjoy our time this morning. Um, we're going to be studying Genesis 1 and 2, the, two, the first two chapters. This is the creation account given by God. And um, my, my goal here is to uh, instill a couple uh, clear main ideas. There's a ton here, and so we could spend a number, we could spend months, we could probably spend a year on these, these subjects because there's so much here. But we're going to try to distill it down to just a couple of them and, and chew on them a bit this morning. Um, uh, let's see, let's, let's start with the main ideas of our text, Genesis 1 and 2. I've, I've tried to put it down into a, a succinct idea here. and it's, It says, God alone is a creator of everything. He created by speaking Everything created obeyed him perfectly, and everything he made was very good, fulfilling their purpose exactly as designed. Man and woman are created distinctly by God as image bearers and are given the imitative role as God's vice regents, a relationship designed and defined by God in their perfectly created state to be lived out with God in paradise. That with God is extremely important. <clears throat> Um, a couple uh, of notes, again, from last week. What are we trying to do here in our study of Genesis? We're going to be using some very specific hermeneutics as we go through this book. 
Um, and these hermeneutics, how we're, how we're basically interpreting the text, how we're reading it to understand it, um, can be broken down into um, kind of three really important principles. And that's what I've used to create this this morning. Um, the first one is this idea of exalted prose and prose narrative. This is the literature that we're using in Genesis or that's, that is written in Genesis. Um, it, does anybody know what prose I, I didn't, so don't feel bad. Like, what, what are prose? What, what, are you, what do we mean by saying prose as a form of speech? So that was my first thought, and uh, it is actually the, the opposite of poetry. So I, know the, I knew there was a connection somewhere, right? And so did you. And anybody, uh, so the, the idea of prose is more of like just speaking. It is just a conversation, in a sense. So this is the, the common vernacular, okay? So, so prose is usually um, anti-poetical in the sense that it's not actually trying to build rhymes. It's not trying to build a poetic structure. But at the same time, am, am, is this okay? Okay. Um, prose is also not necessarily always taken literally. So we can be speaking just in our everyday we can be speaking and not mean every word literally that we say. Uh, poetry obviously isn't supposed to be taken literally. It's actually supposed to be taken figuratively. Um, but prose can do both, so there's a challenge. Exalted prose, which is the, the first chapter of the book, very clearly different from the rest of Genesis, in fact, um, especially holds that weight. Like this, when we say exalted, we're talking about kind of um, the Israelites speaking about God in a high and holy way. So they're, they're um, being very careful about what they say, uh, and they're speaking in some, in some ways very figuratively about God, since God cannot uh, meet any analogy that we have in our own minds. <clears throat> um, along with this, prose, is, prose, especially exalted prose, it's meant to be felt as much as it is meant to be understood. So when they're speaking about God, we should feel things as it speaks, as it, as it speaks to us, as we read it. Um, really interesting, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Toledot structure, um, this is kind of how Genesis is, is structured in itself. This is the statements like, these are the generations of. We see this, these peppered throughout the book. And what those guys do is they serve as a, a zoom like on the lens of a camera, they're telling you as a reader, here's what I'm gonna talk about next. Make sure you focus on this, because there's a lot there, but this is especially important. Um, and then the implied author and audience is probably the most important here. This is context, this is context of the passage. Um, and we would, we would say that um, the implied author and audience is Moses writing to the Israelites. So we're supposed to read this text as if we're the Israelites, and it's Moses speaking to us. Does that make sense? Very, very different from, uh, from uh, maybe the, the, uh, the actual audience or the actual uh, author. We, we are the actual audience right now, in fact. So we shouldn't wait necessarily read it as if we're reading it. This is kind of a little bit of a shift in our minds. Um, Tolkien, Gerald Tolkien was a master at this when he wrote uh, his, his series, The Lord of the Rings, and, and the book Hobbit, actually, what he talks about 
in his introduction is that uh, you should be reading this book as if, and he does this through a story, which is like three layers in, it's crazy. You should be reading this book as if you are a man living in this world and you found a book, the Red Book of Westmarch, which was written by Bilbo, um, and, and opened it and, and started reading it. And so you're, you're reading as if hobbits were once a reality, but they're not as abundant as he used to be. So you can see, like, he's, he enters you into the world right away. And that's, that's, that's kind of what we're doing here. Um, <clears throat> okay, any questions on, on hermeneutics or anything that we talked about last week that we left out? Right now you thought that was really important. Good. Uh, next week. This week we're going to be focused on, on these things. We're going to be focusing on these hermeneutics. Notice none of these actually are a hermeneutic for apologetics necessarily or as a scientific response to the passage. There is a lot in Genesis 1 and 2 that is extremely uh, relevant to us and the current um, conversation, I guess, that we have with, uh, with the world. Um, and that is mostly apologetic. We're going to be dealing with that next week. Paul gets to do that. I'm very excited for that conversation. I think that's going to be good. I have a lot of questions. I'm an engineer. I love science, so I have a lot of questions. But we're not going to necessarily be talking about those this week. If you bring them up, here's how I'm going to respond. That is a great question. I, I really want to talk about that. We're just not going to do it now. So just, uh, yeah, okay, heads up. I like to tell people what I'm doing, okay? Um, so without further ado, why don't we jump into Genesis? And we're going to start with Genesis chapter 1 and verses 1 through 2. My, my format this morning is going to be basically just exegetical. So we're going to work through this book um, more or less exegetically and, and start to pull things out of it together. And here's how we begin. <clears throat> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Okay, what do we have here? Uh, this, is, this seems to be set up as a preface for the rest of this chapter, so it's kind of introducing you to what we're going to talk about. Um, what are some things you guys notice about, uh, what, who, who's the subject of this, of this section? Who does it seem to be? God, and an object, like what is he, what is he uh, doing here? What is this about? Okay, his act of creating creation. Um, without form and void um, really just kind of means that the earth that God creates is without structure. It's, it's not that it's chaotic necessarily, um, it just isn't really filled with things. Um, it's empty. And it's also just not, not really doing what it should be doing yet. It's kind of just a ball, I think, if I were to venture a guess. Um, and this also implies that, that there was nothing before this verse. This is the beginning. The beginning. 
of creation, okay? So creation, in a sense, has a start. It had a start. What happened before that? God. That's all we can say. God was before creation, and in fact, I should have brought the whiteboard over, but in fact, if you could visualize kind of like a, a half circle, an arch, um, uh, to help our minds think about this, we would say that everything underneath this arc or this arch is creation, and everything outside of it is God, distinct. He is not, he is not part of creation. There wasn't anything that he used to create, in fact. It was just made by him. Um, this makes sense with time because you can't go back an infinite number of moments because you'll never get to now if you do that. Um, so we, we're already learning about God in a very specific way. What do you think this is, this is telling us about him? Like you read those, those verses, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. How does that make you think about God, feel about him? Let's, let's start to practice those a little bit. Okay, yeah. It's got to be the first thing on my list. Like, who is this kind of thing, right? Sovereign, okay. Who created? God did. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to see that, I think, in a more fuller extent as we read his, his account throughout this. You see that creation obeys him. It does exactly what he says. He's sovereign. Yep. God is God. In every sense of the word. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, do you have a, do you have a category for that in your mind? We just don't, right? <laughs> Infinite in his power and knowledge, his ability. He's creative. That's like, let's not miss that, right? I mean, God is actually making things. This is, this is mind-blowing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. We're, I mean, we're all kind of saying the same things here, that God, God is God. He, he owns it. He made it. He's creative. This tells us that he's powerful, all-knowledgeable. <clears throat> Ex nihilo, out of nothing. He didn't need anything. That kind of implies that he still doesn't need anything, right? That's really interesting. Okay, in the beginning, this is, this is the preface. We're, we're starting to get into it. We see that God is not necessarily alone in this. We see the spirit of God, okay? Lots of mystery here. We're going to flush that out a little bit later. Jack, you brought this up last week, I think, about let us make man in our image, okay? Okay, let's, let's continue. Um, Genesis 1, 3 through 2, 3 says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, 
and the waters that, he, that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was very good. That it was good, sorry. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly across the earth above the earth, across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over uh, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast on the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Okay, nice big chunk of passage there. Um, lots of repetition, uh, which is a, a great clue for us. Um, but also we, we noticed just right off the bat, our preface is big. God creates everything that exists. <clears throat> and now he's starting to zoom in. 
And specifically, he's talking about earth. Um, I, I just find it comical every time I read the, the uh, sentence, and the stars, that that's all it gets. Because here's the deal. I think if you wanted a more fuller account of like how God creates or what his, his act in these creations, you'd actually go to the book of Job where God talks about it. He just, he just explains, like, here's what I'm doing. Were you there when I did these things kind of thing? But when we're talking about the, the known galaxy and galaxies beyond our galaxy, just I'm, I'm, my mind is continually blown by, by the fact of how, how just expansive um, our, our known universe, cosmos, is. Anybody follow the James Webb Telescope? So it's a new, new telescope that NASA put in space. It's a huge deal because James Webb, thank you, Drew. James Webb, uh, it is. It's incredible. James Webb is the, 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 who this uh, telescope's named after. Um, it has the ability to see into the near and far infrared spectrum of light. So um, our eyes can only see the visible spectrum. Uh, some, some Germans can see ultraviolet, which is the other side. Uh, or it's usually Germans who can see that. But, but infrared is something that's invisible to us. We just don't see it, um, not without help. Uh, we have cameras that can see it and can relay that, that to us. And that's what's on the James Webb Telescope. Why this is so amazing is because as our universe uh, ages, it, we're actually moving apart from each other. It's expanding. This is, this is pretty, pretty common knowledge. It's expanding. Well, what happens when light does that is it actually moves its... It, uh, from visible spectrum into the infrared spectrum because it's slowing down. If you've heard of the Doppler effect, that's, that's when uh, like an ambulance is coming towards you. It sounds like a high pitch, and it, as it leaves, it sounds like it, the pitch changes to lower. That's because the waves that it's generating, which is the sound, is, are actually faster when it's coming at you and slower as it moves away. And so the, the light's doing the exact same thing. James, the, the James Webb Telescope gets to look now at these, these galaxies for a very long time and receive this light that's moved into this infrared spectrum. And holy crap, we see it. And there's way more than we thought there was even. So we're just continuing to realize that I don't think there is an end to this. We're talking about billions of billions of galaxies like ours and inside of them are billions of stars and um, big suns and red dwarfs. And we're talking about light years apart, so it takes a, this, this enormously long time to travel inside of space-time here. Um, it gets, that's, it's and the stars here, okay? That's my main point, and the stars. Clearly, clearly, God is, God is very focused on what he's talking about here, Moses, through God, or through, through Moses, God is wanting to relay something very specific to us, and it's about earth. Okay, so any questions on that? Any, any thoughts? There, that was a, that was a bit of a, a rant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. 
Absolutely. We, we've got, okay, let's, let's talk about that now. Um, God, God here is shown more transcendently, okay? In the beginning, God, God is outside of creation. He's talking to creation. He's talking in a way that, that does things, um, not necessarily inside of it, right? He's, he's setting himself apart. Um, uh, he's setting up some fundamental understandings here um, about the earth and human existence and flourishing, um, but we haven't gotten to God, God's dwelling yet, right? Um, so when we, when we say God's transcendence, just to, be, just to be clear, we're saying that God is outside of creation, distinct, holy, all-powerful, incomprehensible. God, God cannot be comprehended. Um, he, he creates through speaking. This is part of his incomprehensible. Yeah. His, his creation is his purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And why do you say that? What's, what's your... There's a reason he did what he did. Yeah. It isn't, he didn't need it, but there's a reason he did it. Right. Like, when we speak, I mean, we're, we're usually intentional, right? When we, when we say things, it's not like God is up there actually just like, let's see what we get, right? We'll spin something and, and, no, he's saying, I want this, make it happen. It happens, right? That's a great, great thought. Um, what else do we find here? God's creating act is orderly. Very structured, which is, as an engineer, again, I love, I love seeing that. The second part of this, the second chapter, we're going to, it's going to change. Um, but right here, we're, we see that God is actually very orderly in his account. Um, he's using days as his delineation and, and how he is creating First thing on the first day, second on the second, okay? Um, and he rests on one of them. Isn't that interesting? Uh, creation is fully obeying God. We've, we've seen that. He speaks to it. It does it. There isn't a conflict here, right? We don't have like this antithesis of, we have kind of this formless mass. It's chaotic and God comes in and he has to force it and bend it to its, his will. No, none of that is actually seen here. It just does it. He made it, says it, happens. Okay, this is very different from the original accounts of, of other civilizations. Uh, they, they, most of them start with a war of, of either God, God against God or God against creation and things like that, and things happen out of that. This is distinct from that. So remember, we're, we're thinking as Israel, and we're saying, no, our God is different. Our God is not like that, in fact. Um, yeah. Right. Great. Absolutely. I mean, that is like the application of that, isn't it? It was like, God, well, why are things wrong? Okay, we got to get to that later. But, but like, no, in its, in its created form, this is, this is perfect. This is exactly what he meant. God is all-powerful. Um, and then something I think we want to focus on here is God's goodness and the goodness of creation his goodness seen in creation, even. Um, uh, this, this is going to fly in the face of a lot of other religions as well. And a lot of these, these guys, especially with their, their creation accounts, I mean, they're, they're trying to make sense, I think, of just like, what, things are screwed up, though. Like, right, my kids die. Like, I got to work really hard to get food. Sometimes I starve. 
Sometimes they're really cold. Um, you know, those kinds of things. And so they, they try to, to, you know, build that back into God, that this must be what God is like. He must have created it to do these things. Um, but no, when we, when we read this account, we see that, like, no, all of creation is very, very good. God creates it good because he is good. And we should, when we read these things, especially when we get into to the Garden of Eden account here, man, there's a part of me that's just like, man, I wish I was back in the garden. I wish that it was like that again. That's, I think that's good and right. Israel should be wishing, remember, they're wandering in a desert right now. So, like, things aren't exactly great, right? We read, read their accounts and the responses to those things. They even want to go back into slavery just so that they can get some meat. So, God, this is like, this must be tugging at their souls here. I wish... I was in that. I wish it was like this. Again, why isn't it? Right? We're begging the question here. Um, this also, just to bring it down very practically, um, this is why we're not ascetics uh, as Christians. Ascetics, asceticism is you know, basically just denying yourself uh, things, thinking that it's going to better you in however many ways, spiritually, physically, um, but no, we, we actually reject that, and the Apostle Paul rejects that and says that, no, everything was actually created good to be enjoyed with thanksgiving. This is how we treat our bodies, this created world. Um, uh, we treat it as if, no, this is, it's good. We have to start there. Now, how we use it, of course, can be, can be extremely sinful, right? But what we can't blame creation for that sin, that sin is lodged inside of our hearts. Um, and so that's why asceticism will have such a, an appeal to some people like Buddhism, for example, uh, where they believe that all suffering comes from just desire. Uh, and if you stop desiring things, if you stop wanting things like, like a nice place to live and, and, uh, and you know, companionship and, and those kinds of things, that you'll, you won't hurt as much. And it may be true. I mean, there's some some numbing of the soul, I'm sure, when you do some of that stuff, but that is not what, what Christianity teaches. That's not what God is like, and that's not going to cause us to flourish by any means. Um, it's going to have a very limited effect. Okay, any, any thoughts about that, the goodness of creation? Um, we're going to talk about more, a little bit more about that in our mandate of what we're supposed to do, but Right. Absolutely. I think like quasars. I, yeah, it's just, just beautiful. Extremely dangerous. You die. But, but absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that God God does that and he calls it good again. Just, I mean, can't you feel your mind being like formed into this other way of thinking that, okay, why do we work? Let's talk about that for a second. Why do we work six days and rest on a seventh? Why, why does this exist? What's that? <laughs> so I'm glad you said that because you know what? I think a lot of people, natu- that is the natural thought, that work is actually a toil, that that's all that work is. But here... Work is actually good. Like we're made to work, in fact, in our perfect state and goodness. And I think that's why we, we naturally associate toil with work is because we love it so much. It's so foundational to our existence, just kind of to who we are. That, and the curse equally touches that, and we feel it keenly, I think, right? I mean... You want, you want to take something that you, you love to do so much and then screw it up a bit. Boy, that, that will mess me up, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be upset about that probably, big time. But so, so the idea of structure, okay, yeah, the sun is rising and setting. Um, that, that, as we see here, that's actually intentional. Um, it is, it's giving us time periods to work and to rest. Right, day and night, God is naming these things. He's showing His dominion, um, but uh, but there is no like weekly sun. Right, if we need a third a third thing out there that says, okay, here's how the sun's going to work, we kind of have the moon to help us with the moon with the seasons of the the month and those kinds of things. But uh, just just step outside of what we know right now a little bit and say, like, why the heck did we choose six and six and one? Or five and two, you know, kind of how we have adapted it, right? Where did that come from? Where did that, that actual order come from? And it's, it's clear that it comes from God. God's not, not imitating us, in other words. We're imitating him. He may speak, be speaking in language. I'm not sure if day here means day. Let's just say that. But I, I'm not sure if he's really speaking about a work, where a literal work week here. But he is speaking in human terms and is saying, like, be like me. Work and rest. You need a day of rest. People were stoned if they didn't rest on the day of rest. It was really interesting. You need this, right? He's telling you, you really need this. This is good. This is good. Work. Sleep, work, sleep, and then rest. Enjoy. Do it again, okay? Let's, let's talk about this um, uh, Imago Day. Now, because there's there's a lot here, um, <clears throat> we see in in uh, verses 26 through 31 that that God focuses way in 
Okay, we went from extremely broad, all of the cosmos, um, still not touching spiritual, mind you. There's another reality here that isn't talked about. That should give us another clue of we're not talking about some things, but we are talking about this, right? How do the angels come into existence? No idea, no idea. Unless he tells us, we just know, no idea. It's clearly not taught here. Okay, big, cosmos down to the earth, getting more specific, and now, even more specifically, we're talking about man. It's like we've zoomed in on a, on like three million time powerful power uh, microscope. Because, oh my goodness, one person. I mean, the, the all, all known existence, and you're going to talk about a couple atoms, right? I mean, the math is probably staggering here if we're going to talk about the known uh, number of elements out there. But, but we're going to talk about this guy, and it's very specific, okay? Um, let's, let's read that passage real quick just to refresh our memories because we've been talking about a lot of things, which is uh, verses 26 through, uh, I lost it, 31, thank you. Then God said, let us make man in our image, this is different, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Repetition, good. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree that, will, that with, its, with seed and its fruit, sorry, syntax, you shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has a breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Okay, sixth day of, of his work, kind of the, the culmination of his work, the apex here in this passage, not, not necessarily saying that God did it this way, it's, it's, it is definitely explained that this is the, the apex of his work, though, okay, is that God is creating man in his image. So, formed in image, likeness, defined by the context of the passage. There, this is a really interesting topic. Um, uh, us, us humans, like, why are we different? That's the basic question. What does this mean that God created us in his image? Does God have arms? No, God is simple. He doesn't have parts because he's outside of creation. All of God is equally God. Okay, so then what does it, what does it mean? And I think we get the best, the best answer to that question here by the context of the passage. So let's, let's think about that a little bit. What does God tell the man to do? What does he say about him? Good, good. Be fruitful and multiply. So, like God filling the earth, he forms and fills. Man is also filling the earth. He's meant to fill the earth. Good. 
What else? What else is he? Absolutely. That's like, it's got, that's got to be the big one there. He's, it's so obvious that God is, is creating things. He's naming them. He has control and dominion over these things. What does he do to Adam? He does the exact same thing. He says, now, you have dominion. This is the idea of vice regent. This is like, we represent God in this way. We're going to see Adam name the animals a little bit later. And whatever he calls them, that's their name. Really interesting. Okay, good. Dominion. What else? Yeah. Work. Where the heck did we get that idea? Right? I mean, it's, yeah, okay. Because God, God did the exact same thing. God is working. He's creating things. We're told to just represent him in work as well. Again, very good. We're, we're meant to do this. It's very good. What else? Yeah, isn't that interesting? Okay, I got I to gotta take it. I'm going to step away from the, the thing, right? This is like Bill Farley. Um, the, so the, uh, the idea that, uh, okay, Noahic covenant, we get to eat meat. Thank God we get to eat meat. Um, I love pig. So I, I just can't, I can't like even imagine the idea of going back to a vegetarian state. But I have to trust God here that, that that would be good and enjoyable completely, right? My wife and I, we go to, we go to Puerto Varda every once in a while. And when I'm down there in Mexico, I want to eat their fruit because it is incredible. Um, Hawaii is the same way. And, and okay, I get myself into those mindsets like, this is, this is great. I trust you, Lord. But like, thank God, thank God I am, okay, I'm not here. Thank God for Noah. Thank God that I'm not a Jew in the sense of I have to practice Jew. Yeah. So, okay, Interesting. How else? How else is uh? <laughs> how else are we uh, are we kind of created in God's image, here? In His likeness, how are we like God? Yeah. Okay. He makes us volitional, right? We we He doesn't create us as robots. In other words, here. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. We have some reason. We've got we've got a greater capacity to think. And to be creative, uh, the other the other things that are created, they don't do this, which is kind of at face value. Um, you know, that's it's kind of the duh in the uh, the conversation of of like hum- humanely treating animals and stuff like that. I understand that argument from the position of treating them as a as a human should treat animals with care and, and understanding our responsibility and those kinds of things. But we don't treat the animals humanely in the sense that like we treat other humans. They're not humans. They're just not. They weren't created in God's image. We, we obviously have dominion over them. So we should express this well. Um, let me read a, a quick uh, excerpt from... One of my chief resources I was using, which is John Collins's commentary here. He says, God displays features of his character. He shows intelligence in designing the world as a place for humans to live. He uses language when he says things. He appreciates what is good, and he works and rests. He is also relational in the way he establishes a connection with man that is governed by love and commitment. In all this, God is a pattern for man. Okay, so I think we're starting to get an idea of what it means by, 
by being created in the image of God. And this, this foundational changes the way that we, we think about ourselves and what we should be doing, uh, who we are. Uh, let's see here. Good. God is forming and filling the earth. We're told to do the same thing. Enough connection made there, I think. Let's go to Genesis 2-4, which is the first Toledot um, uh, transitionary statement. Okay, so here's what we, we were talking about. Um, it says, these are the generations of the heaven and the earth when they were created. And in the day, the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Um, like I said before, this is supposed to help us to focus in on, okay, this is what I was talking about. This is what I'm going to still talk about until I change and tell you I'm changing with another Toledot. Um, this is a well-known structure called the chiastic structure, and it's uh, A, B, C, C, B, A uh, in, its, in its way here. I've, I've kind of outlined it here so it's a little more visual. Um, really common for the uh, Hebrews to use this, and it's nice when they do because it's clear to understand as well. You can say that of the heavens, A, and the earth, B, when they were created in the day the Lord God made. Okay, so that's actually the apex of the statement. That's, that's what we're supposed to be focusing on, the earth and the heavens. Just reverses it around. Um, this is the first time that God is named or uses his name, Yahweh. So this is before in the first chapter, we were talking about God's transcendence. He is only called Elohim. So God, which is kind of, again, let's think about the, the arch, everything inside of creation. God is just outside of it. He's, he's transcendent. He is God, Elohim. Now we're going to transition into God being much more imminent. Okay, Yahweh is who we're talking about. Um, actively... Uh, involved with his people, knowable, concerned. Um, it's, it's like the, the, the mood even, it just shifts. We're seeing God's in his, God in his power and dominion and authority uh, in the first, first chapter, on, brightly on display, exalted prose, look at God, worship him. Okay, now we're, we're going to now enter into a different feel of the text. And so let's, let's read that. That's going to be Genesis chapter 2, 5 through 17. I'm going to go fast. Um, it says, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. Interesting. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, God is gardening, in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Delium and onyx don't <coughs> are there. <coughs> the name of the second river is the Gihon. Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush, 
And then the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Excuse me. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. <clears throat> Are we going to stop here? Yeah, we're going to stop there. <coughs> okay. Feel the shift in, in the language even? Like, very structured. Here's what we're doing. This is what's going to happen. God's obviously the subject here, and man is the object, or creation is the object. Now in, now here we're talking a little bit, this is prose, this is regular prose narrative. It's just kind of telling you how it is. Um, and and uh, God is now using his name, Yahweh, very personal. What is he doing? What's he doing here? What, like, of all the things God could do, what does he choose to do in this passage? Okay. In what way? What, what do you see, like, very relational? Yeah. 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 All of creation, and this is what he's what he's doing. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. 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 We we see here kind of implicitly that the animals were also made out of dust. Interestingly, he doesn't talk about that, though. He talks about man and forming him, okay, breathing into his nostrils. Like, this is no longer a transcendent God that we're talking about here. God is imminent. He's with his creation. Very relational. Good. Remember, before the fall, we're talking about what is meant to be the case. This is good and right. What else? What else do we see? Yeah. Like in, in verse 5, like you got all these steps and all these days, right? And then towards the end there it says we created man in our image, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then it says with no bush of the field. So it's like, well, wait a minute. Was that a standing right there? Is he, is he filling the ground with God at the time that all this stuff is sprouting forth? Right. Like what's actually really going on here? Did yeah. Adam come after the fish and the birds? Mm -hmm. Or was he there when they were being mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. It's not as clear, is it? I mean, it's just kind of talking about because there wasn't a man to grow things. It's like, hold on. I thought you just created these things. And he did, but there is something. Yeah, absolutely. A shift in the way that time is. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the way, this is allowed. So the, the word created and made and those kinds of things, it's not necessarily making like popping into existence all the time. It is sometimes just a bit of fashioning into from one thing to another. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, later on, uh, when, it's, when he is talking to Adam and saying, uh, yep, yep, who'd formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens and brought them out, man, yes. Out of the ground the Lord God had formed, thank you. 
Yeah, you bet. Good question. What else, what else is, uh, how is God treating Adam? What does he do for him kind of thing, you know? Yeah. factor of who this Adam character is in his relationship with God. And it's not one of butting heads. It's not, there's no conflict there. Like, God is working with, with man, and it's good. Absolutely. It's, a, it's different than anything. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like an apprentice, like a journeyman apprentice kind of relationship even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Before, yeah. It's broken, obviously, now. But before, this was the intent. The intent is, I made you a garden. That was good. It was a good garden. Beautiful. Trees, fruit, everything, right? You named all the animals. I was with you in all of this, right? I put you there. And we're going we're to read later on uh, in one of the subsequent uh, Sunday schools is that, that God is actually walking with man in the garden. He, this is a relationship. He's, he's very, very intentional here. Um, 
uh, we're going to see a lot of what's called biblical theolo theological um, themes moving throughout the, the Bible. One of them is Eden. Um, God creates the Garden of Eden, and that Eden actually is, is very representative of other things like the temple, like the church, and like the new creation. Okay, God, God is meant to dwell with his people. Let's jump into application for five minutes. <clears throat> Sorry, we're, marriage is defined here. Procreation is clearly defined and, and structured inside of marriage. Okay, but we just don't have the time. So what do we, what do we take away from this most? I, I think we should feel this as well as think it. So God alone is the creator, his goodness and power on full display in creation. Like how does this change you? How does this change the way that you, you think, feel about yourself, about God, about the world? I was never intended to do this alone and I'm not. Absolutely. Absolutely. He gave it to us, but he still gives. Okay. Okay, there's a, there's a rightful place, right? We stick ourselves in here. Good, good. On the flip side, I, I, and um, there's, it feels like there's two personalities there. One is, is I own everything. And the other one is I don't have that kind of authority. And no, that's wrong. You do. Actually, you're created for that. So exercise it well. This is good. Enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. And enjoy it. It's going to be feasting rest. I mean, it's, this is good rest. You're going to want it. Yeah. 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 No kidding. Right. Absolutely. And, okay, so can you, can you articulate what you talked to me about earlier? So... That was plan A. That was plan A. Mm -hmm. And now we're on plan B. Yeah. Like God 
It's hard to believe. Yeah. 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 Jesus is a man. It, this is mind-blowing that God, he planned this from the beginning. That, that God is going to dwell with us. The hypostatic union is forever a, a truth now. And that wouldn't, be, wouldn't have been the case, hypothetically. But that wasn't the case in the past. And so, yeah, like, like what we were talking about is absolutely feel the longing to be again with God in paradise and realize that that is your future. Like, what a glorious hope we have in Jesus. This is, this is the idea that we're going to, again, be in this place only better. And let that drive you. Let that drive your, your labor for the Lord and motivation um, and your worship. Let's, let's worship God uh, with this, this incredible reality in mind. Um, and let's, let's end there and let, let's pray. Lord God, uh, your word, your word says, "Worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created." And so we we worship you this this day. Thank you for this special time of of treatment, God, of of rest and. And a break from the norm to focus on you and to be refreshed by your word, to be encouraged, to be challenged. God, we thank you for your goodness to us, your goodness in all creation that is clearly on display. Lord, we, we long to, to be with you more. We thank you for the, the presence of the Spirit in our lives, indwelling us and and unifying us together to one another. We're not alone in so many ways, God. And so we, we look forward to a greater extent of that. Um, come, Lord Jesus, we, we do pray, and that is our great hope. Until then, Lord, give us grace and mercy um, to, to live lives that are, that are pleasing to you, shape our minds to think about you correctly and worship you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.